Hello and welcome to the Battle Cry podcast with Mark Meckler. Catch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8pm Eastern. Go to conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. Good evening, everyone. Happy Sunday night. It is the Battle Cry. I'm your host, Mark Meckler, and I'm so glad to be back with you again. It's a beautiful day here in Texas. I'm at home, which is what I love. You can see me in the library. In case you're wondering if I'm at home, let's turn this way. Is it this way? There he is over there. See? Levi is in his appointed place on the couch. Are you going to say something, Levi? Can you be enthusiastic? Could you sit up? I swear he's alive. I promise you he's alive. He blends in perfectly with the couch. I know he's here. He's keeping me company. He's backing up everything I've got to say. You know it's the truth if Levi's in the room and he's not objecting. So anyway, glad to be with you guys. Glad to be home. It's a beautiful day here in Texas. I spent the day out working in the creek, hanging out with my family. My dad was here celebrating his 84th birthday. (coughs) Excuse me. It's just a perfect day. So why am I letting... The news ruined my perfect day. Well, because sometimes it just does that, right? And the one thing that I'm paying attention to most in the news right now is listening to President Biden on the international stage. Now, first of all, I would say just bluntly, he should not be on the international stage. And the reason I say that, I know, I know, I'm probably not supposed to say this. I'm not a psychologist, but the man has dementia. Like any of us who are in my age range, I just turned 60 years old. We have people that we know in our families that have gone through this. And my wife's family, both of her parents ultimately suffered from dementia. It's tragic. It's difficult. And anybody suffering from it shouldn't be president of the United States. It's so funny because during the Trump administration, People repeatedly on the left called for invoking the 25th Amendment in order to remove the president for mental incompetence. Now, Trump's a lot of things, uh, boisterous, brash, obnoxious, offensive sometimes, but he's not mentally incompetent, not according to what the 25th Amendment meant. And in this case, we have a president right now who is actually totally and completely mentally incompetent. You notice that You never see Joe take questions, except he says, I have a list of people right here in front of me who I'm supposed to ask questions of so that they can have the questions and the answers to the questions on the teleprompter. And anytime the man goes off teleprompter, you have a complete disaster. Now, that's bad when you're dealing with domestic politics, but mostly when you're dealing with domestic politics, mostly it's just bad for Joe Biden. It's bad for the news media that has to cover for him. It's bad for America, but it's not bad on a global cataclysmic scale. But what we have right now, unbelievably, is a president going off script on the international stage about a conflict that has the potential to lead to World War III. And of course, I'm talking about Ukraine. I'm talking about the president meeting with NATO this week and the just insanity that he spewed. And so he's on script, he's on script, he's on script, he's clearly reading from a teleprompter, and then he decides to go off on his own and says that Putin is evil and can't remain in power. He has to be removed from power, in other words. Um, Yeah, that sounds like regime change. That sounds like a declaration of war. That sounds like an escalation. Exactly what our foreign policy geniuses say they're trying to prevent. So suddenly 
the president walks out on the sidewalk without an escort and steps in a big steaming pile of dementia. And it's got consequences, real consequences. Putin is going to hear that and react to that. And it's going to make things worse. It's not going to make things better. And immediately the administration goes into action. And within a couple of minutes, they start backtracking. They start saying that Joe Biden didn't mean what he said. He didn't say what we all heard him say. It's the old don't believe what you heard and saw the man say. Don't believe your lying ears and eyes, right? And they say what he meant was he can't be allowed to stay in power in regard to what he's doing in Ukraine. And that's not what he said. It's very clear. And also over the weekend, he met with Polish or with American troops in Poland, and he told them what they would see once they went into Ukraine, that they would see the stiff spines of the Ukrainian people once you get to Ukraine. In other words, implying boots on the ground. They're going to Ukraine. They're going to be in combat. They're going to engage in the fight side by side with Ukrainians. Look, whether you think that this is a good policy or not, and I'm not arguing about what the policy should be here or not. We can have a whole discussion about that. What I am saying is our imbecile president, our president who is suffering from serious dementia, should not be on the international stage saying stuff like this. Look, if you're not going to invoke the 25th Amendment, fine. Because I don't think they're going to, because what are they going to do? Put the dumbest vice president in history in the presidency, Kamala Harris? If so, if you're not going to do that, at least just keep Joe Biden off the international stage. Keep him from saying this kind of madness that potentially spiral, spirals into World War III. And again, this is not about my policy preference in regard to Ukraine. It's not about what the president said being right or wrong. It's about the president is saying things that his administration does not stand for, that he shouldn't be saying because his administration is saying different things. This is dangerous stuff. Unfortunately, Kamala Harris does this kind of stupidity all the time without the excuse of dementia. I don't know what to tell you. The brightest people are control, right? Are in control. The adults are back in the room, right? No, these are a bunch of people that live in a fantasy world and have no connection to reality. Now, I'm going to get criticized for the stuff I just said. And I'm going to get criticized by some of you who might even be on my side. And you're going to say, some people are going to say, Mark, why are you being so partisan? So I have a question. Is it partisan to criticize a Democrat president, a Democrat vice president, a Democrat administration, if you're from the right, which I am clearly from the right? And my answer is, it's not partisan if it's just factual. Right? I don't attack Joe Biden for absolutely everything he says and does. And it's not because I necessarily believe in him, but I'm just not that partisan. Like I'm going to judge a president by what he does and then what happens out of what he does. Yeah, I in the last election, to be clear, I was a Ted Cruz guy. In the sorry, when when Trump ran in 2016, Cruz was my guy. And I ultimately supported Trump because he was the nominee. I think Trump is sometimes rough and coarse and arrogant and narcissistic. And I said those things out loud when he was president. I was willing to speak to those things. I don't have a problem with that. Because I'm not being partisan when I comment on these things. I'm just trying to reflect reality as I see it. And so if Trump did something bad when he was president, I would say, that was dumb. 
That was crazy. He shouldn't do that. He shouldn't say those things. Unfortunately, when we have somebody like Joe Biden in office, I just have to say that stuff a lot more. Because Biden has single-handedly at least been in office during an economic disaster, the taking of Ukraine from uh, or by Russia, or the attempted taking of Ukraine by Russia. Remember, that didn't happen under President Bush. A radical spike in oil and gas prices. That didn't happen under Trump or Bush or even Obama, frankly. This is Joe Biden stuff. I'm seeing the economy crash. I'm seeing oil prices out of control. I'm seeing the Middle East start to be stabilized. I'm seeing Europe be destabilized. These are taking place on Joe Biden's watch. So I'm going to comment on those things. And I don't think that's partisan. I'm not doing it because he's a Democrat. I'm doing it because he's a disaster. And it's not just me that thinks that, by the way. A lot of Democrats think that. The vast majority of Americans think that. We've been polling on this regularly. Uh, his approval ratings are at historic lows. I think NBC came out with a poll today showing he's 15 points underwater, 55 disapproved, 40 approved. That's huge and disastrous for the end of a first year of a president's term. So it's not me. It's not about partisan. It's about Biden and what his administration is doing. And frankly, I shouldn't even blame him so much because I believe his dementia is so bad that the administration is being run by Ron Klain and others. No, not Kamala Harris. No, I can't even imagine that. I don't know how she finds her way out of her own office. All right, let's move on to the second thing, uh, which is I wanted to talk about something fun and interesting and amusing. And that's a story that I read today about a couple of kids named the Abernathy Boys. This was a story on Substack today in, uh, in the eccentric culinary column. The Abernathy Boys apparently were sort of free-range kids, for lack of a better term. They didn't have that term. In the early 20th century in America, Temple and Lois Abernathy saddled up a pair of ponies and rode alone from their home in Frederick, Oklahoma, to New York City, almost 2,000 miles away, to see Teddy Roosevelt give a speech. At the time, Lewis called Bud was 10 years old and Temp was six. Now, I want you to imagine that. A lot of you have or have had 10 and six-year-olds. Imagine you just say, yeah, you guys want to go visit Teddy Roosevelt? Go ahead, saddle up your horses and be on your way. It's absolutely incredible. They rode for two months. They made it to Washington, D.C. They were greeted by President Taft. They actually then got into the parade with Teddy Roosevelt and rode behind Teddy Roosevelt. They then, now again, 10 and six, shipped their horses home, bought a car, and drove a car at 10 and 6 from Washington, D.C. back to Oklahoma. I mean, absolutely incredible story. I didn't know anything about the story. I'd never heard it before. They were engaged in a whole bunch of other crazy stuff. Ultimately, one of them went on to be a lawyer. The other guy became an oilman. They were very successful in their own right. I tell you the story because it's interesting. Uh, again, it's called uh, The Abernathy Boys Go for a Ride. But I also tell it to make a distinction, which is you go back to the early 1900s, and there were some things that were not great for kids, but kids were <clears throat> raised with increasing levels of responsibility as they aged. And I think we have a problem now. We've gone too far the other way. I think there were child labor that was really bad and child labor laws have been put into place. But now we baby kids until they're in their 20s. And going to college is not hard for most kids. If you go to college, you know, a lot of kids, their parents send them to college, pay for them like-minded. It just becomes one big mindless party. 
and they come out of college, they're not even adults. The majority of hiring managers nowadays don't want to hire people with college educations because they just learn a bunch of stupid stuff and bad habits, including how to be lazy and entitled. These kids rode by themselves, 10 and 6, to Washington, D.C. from Oklahoma. I mean, that's just extraordinary. Now, I'm not suggesting you ought to do that with your kids, though sometimes maybe your 10-year-old and 6-year-old are kind of bratty and you want to put them on horses and send them out across the free to play. Not a good idea, but I am saying we need to grow our kids up more uh, strongly with more fortitude, more self-governance, more ownership, more responsibility. Today, what we're doing is we're keeping them as small children as long as we possibly can. And I think that's a bad idea. I don't think it works out well. My kids were raised to do chores at a young age. They were doing literally kind of hard labor stuff, hauling wheelbarrows full of weeds that we pulled or moving dirt around or whatever on our property when they were young. Did they love it? Nope. <laughs> do they have fond memories of it? Mm, nope. But I will tell you, I have two kids with an incredible work ethic. Like to them, hard work is just what you do. If you want something, you work hard for it. And I'm super proud of both my kids. And that's one of the things I'm really proud about. They learn that hard work ethic and they exhibit that every day. So what are we doing to kids today? We're turning them into babies or keeping them as babies forever. And in some places, especially in leftist places, but unfortunately in red states as well, we're apparently now professionally grooming them to be victims of pedophiles. And for some reason, people on the left are okay with this. Now, they'll use different language about it, right? We want to teach them about diversity, inclusion, and blah, 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 whatever the other words they use are. But the reality, what they want to do is they want to teach your five, six, seven-year-old about homosexuality, about lesbianism, about different lifestyles, different genders than male and female. And when you want to teach a six-year-old or a seven-year-old about that kind of stuff, Ah, you're just a pervert. You're just grooming kids for sexual abuse as they get older. You're grooming them to be sexually confused, to be open as young kids talking about sexuality. You are creating victims. You're grooming victims for pedophiles. And this is going on all across our country. So instead of putting your kids on horseback and tell them be tough and go ride to Washington, D.C., they're sending their kids to schools and telling them, Go there and just know that I'm going to have you groomed up for pedophiles. If you're a parent and your kids are going to public school, man, I would do everything I could to get them out of public school. Now, I know it's hard. I know it's really difficult. I know in some cases you might feel like it's impossible. Maybe it is. Look, I'm empathetic to that. But I would tell you what could be more important to you than your kids and making sure that disgusting people like this are not grooming your kids up to be victims for pedophiles. What could be more important than your kids and making sure that their heads aren't being filled with woke nonsense when your kids aren't being told that because of the color of their skin, they're either victims or oppressors, that your kids aren't being taught that there are 57 genders, that your kids aren't being taught all the woke nonsense that will turn them into useless people. What could be more important than that? I know it's hard. Go to your neighbors for support. Go to your friends for support. Go to your parents for support. Do everything you can. And if you are invested in or if you have to have your kids in public school, make sure you know what's going on. It's your responsibility as a parent. And frankly, there's nothing more important that you could do. So whatever extra time you have, whatever extra energy you have, make sure that you focus on your kids. 
Mark Meckler is fighting every day to call the first ever Article 5 Convention of States to drain the swamp once and for all. Join Mark and millions of other Americans by signing the official petition at conventionofstates.com slash pod. And now back to the show. All right. Next up, COS on the move. South Carolina is really the next. And so it's actually, here's where we're at. It's a little bit nuanced and confusing. We passed in the House. We passed in the Senate. But the Senate passed a slightly different version, I would say a better version, a cleaner version than what passed in the House. So they sent theirs back to the House. We're hoping now, and what our activists in South Carolina, our incredible activists are working on, is getting the South Carolina House to do what's called concur. Just do a simple vote, concur on the Senate version, and that will make South Carolina number 19. Now, it's possible they can't get to a concurrence, in which case they would go to what's called a conference committee. The House and Senate would get together. They would discuss and debate, could they come to a compromise? Could they get a clean version? And then they would each go back and vote on that. So those are the two ways it can happen. I expect that to happen over the next couple of weeks. I'm really excited about that. Probably next up on the docket would be uh, North Carolina. In North Carolina, we've already passed the House. Got a couple of recalcitrant senators in the Senate. We're working on that. I think we can get it done. That would be number 20. Then up next on the docket, probably Ohio and Pennsylvania. I'm still saying 22 in 22. I believe we can make that happen. All right. This is the most important subject I have to talk to you about tonight. Yes, more important than COS. It is. And that is the primaries are coming. And they're coming fast. In some states, you'll see them coming up in May. In a lot of states, in May, June, July, August, you have to be involved in the primaries. Have to, must, absolutely, unequivocally, undeniably, you got to be involved in the primaries. What do you got to do? Well, find your candidate. Find the person who represents your values and go to work for them. That's up to you to decide, not up to me to tell you which candidate. I know our people all across the country are involved. I know we're doing candidate surveys in a bunch of places, so we'll likely tell you what we know and what we find out to the extent where we can be involved electorally. We will be involved in electorally. We'll be doing get out the vote. But the number one thing, the burden, the responsibility is on your shoulders. Les Draper says, vote for people who actually endorse COS. COS, absolutely. And I would say that's a good litmus test, right? Look at who endorses COS and who doesn't endorse COS. Uh, I'm going to jump back. Baker Wood says, name the North Carolina senators, please. It's really uh, Rabin and Berger. And I don't think either of them are bad guys. I think there's some protection of the caucus going on. But their committee chairs and leadership, Senator Rabin and Senator Berger, are the ones that are going to do it. Okay, so going back, absolutely have to be involved in the primary. So what do you do when you get involved? Go find a campaign. If you have the wherewithal, donate money. And when I say donate money, you don't have to think of this as like a big money thing. You don't have to donate a thousand bucks or five hundred bucks. Donate ten bucks, five bucks, twenty bucks, twenty-five bucks, whatever you can do. Help the campaign with money. Then call up and volunteer. Put yard signs out, walk the districts, knock on the doors, talk to people about the candidate, make phone calls. Most of the candidates have phone banking operations. Call into radio stations and support a particular candidate. Write letters to the editor. It's up to you as the citizens to be in charge. Nobody else is going to put you in charge. You have to take charge. And I think the most important thing we can do right now is we can be involved in the primary. So go out, 
get that done, get involved in your local party politics. This is the time to be involved in the primaries. All right, so we're going to go to q and I'm going to look at what uh, Producer G's put up here for me. By the way, for Producer G, he was having some technology trouble. He ran over to his local church, got booted up at the church. That's why we were a couple minutes late. Great job working on the fly, Producer G. Dale Ingram wants to know, we need to put limits on all politicians. They work for us. That is true, Daryl. We got to put limits on them. Term limits is one way. Another way is putting limits on their scope, power, and jurisdiction. I think we need to limit and prevent them from doing lobbying after their politicians. Charlotte Hyatt says, why aren't Republicans doing their job and impeaching Biden? Charlotte, they don't have the authority to impeach Biden right now. You need a majority to call for impeachment. So potentially after they win the House of Representatives, I've heard a lot of people, I heard uh, Representative Matt Gates talking last night about impeaching Biden and bringing articles of impeachment. So I would say that there's probably a pretty good chance after the elections in 2022 that we will see in the beginning of 2023 an impeachment effort of President Biden. Uh, Nicholas Filippi says, is there anything that can be done to keep the government from shutting down pipelines and the oil industry? And unfortunately, Nicholas, there's nothing we can do right now, but I think what will happen is you will see Congress fight back after the 22 elections in 23 and push back on the president. President has a lot of latitude there by executive order, and he runs the administrative agencies. And so I think it will be hard to push back on the president. It's really, it's going to be up to you and me. It's up to us to put the pressure. We polled this recently. We found the vast majority of Americans are in, are in favor of increasing U.S. oil and gas exploration and production. And that goes, by the way, across party lines, across age, across race, all demographics. So I would say that's the hopeful thing. Uh, Beverly Manietti says, Mark, your thoughts on Judge Jackson. If she doesn't know what a woman is, why did Biden nominate her to the Supreme Court? I would say... Uh, one of I, of all the confirmation hearings I've seen, and this goes from Sotomayor and Kagan, so justices I don't really like, to Kavanaugh and, and all the others, all the new ones on the right. She is singularly the least impressive person I've seen. I think she did a very poor job answering the questions. And there's the, the question we all know about is, can you define a woman I want you to think about how she answered that. There, there were a lot of good ways she could answer what was sort of a gotcha question. She had to know that was coming. And one way would be to say, in what context? Are you referring to a particular statute, the transition of somebody from uh, being a minor to being an adult? Uh, you know, in, in regard to what sort of legal question are you asking that? That's really would have been a better way for an answer if she was, if she was, quick on her feet and smart. That's how she would answer. But by saying, I can't answer that because I'm not a biologist, she did two things. One is, she's a liar. And I think if you lie when you answer, then you're disqualified for the Supreme Court. I would have disqualified her immediately if I had any intent to vote for her. I would have disqualified her. I would have disqualified her based on her judicial philosophy and her stuff around CRT as well. But I just think she lied. Number two is, she gave away the game. And what do I mean by that? When she said that I can't because I'm not a biologist, she said it's a matter of biology. It's not about how somebody feels. You can't change your sex from male to female based on you, how you feel or how you identify. She said you have to be a biologist, meaning it's biology. It's chromosomal, right? 
It's about your genitalia. It's about ovaries versus gonads. That's what she was saying when she said, I'm not a biologist. So she obviously said something that was contrary to the left and was a lie. To me, she's disqualified based on that. Her positions on CRT, I think she lied about it as well. She was dishonest about it as well. I actually just think in watching her exchanges with the senators, she's not smart enough to be on the Supreme Court. At least she doesn't seem like it to me. She did a very poor job in those hearings. If I'm judging her on the hearings only, I wouldn't have put her on the Supreme Court. Uh, Russ Butner said, would Elon Musk support a COS? My answer is, I don't know. I've never talked to him. I hope he would. I would love to talk to him. Elon, if you happen to be watching the battle cry, I doubt you are. But if you were, you're not too stoned, then give me a call. I'd be happy to chat with you about Convention of States. I'd love to talk to Elon Musk about Convention of States. Apparently he now has a place in Austin because the big factory is going up here. So, but whether he would or not, I don't know. He's a disruptor, so maybe he would. Sebastian Porcena says, why wasn't the issue of the Second Amendment brought up during Jackson's confirmation hearings? I don't know. Look, I don't, there's a thing called the Ginsburg rule, and I don't really like this, where they ask the judges questions. Judges say that they can't answer because that case might before come before the Supreme Court. I'm guessing that's why they didn't ask her, because maybe she would have said, I don't know what the Second Amendment is. I don't know. She got asked about when life begins in regard to equal protection, like when does it attach? And she said she couldn't answer that question. She didn't know. I think she would have said the same thing about the Second Amendment. So I agree with you, uh, Sebastian. I think that somebody should have brought up the Second Amendment. I didn't see it get brought up. If it got brought up, it certainly didn't make news. Unbelievably, we have made it now to the bottom of the hour. If there are any more questions, Producer G, I'd be happy to answer them. Uh, but I'm not seeing any. So that being said, there's no reason for me to just keep talking. God bless you guys. I love you. And I think I'll see you next week on The Battle Cry. This has been the podcast version of The Battle Cry with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod and become part of the solution that's as big as the problem. Thank you for listening.